Hey, welcome to episode six of Out on a Limb. I'm Alyssa. I'm a certified orthotist and board eligible prosthetist. And I'm Alina. I'm a certified orthotist and board eligible prosthetist. We started Out on a Limb to bring the world of orthotics and prosthetics to everyone and share our passions. Stay tuned to learn the ins and outs of a small side of the medical field and everything we do as practitioners. This episode, we have Eric to talk with us about his mobile practice. Hi, Eric. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Um, how about you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us, you know, kind of how you found the field and your background and how, how long you've been in the field. Uh, sure. So, uh, my name is Eric Neufeld. I'm a certified prosthetist, orthotist, and I've been practicing prosthetics and orthotics almost 20 years now. Uh, started in Chicago um, with my first job that lasted the first 10 years of my career from residency to managing a lab um, and then moved to Colorado about seven years ago. Uh, got into the field through um, kind of the technical side first, which really spoke to me, um, making things, building things that was sort of rare I was always interested in things like that. Um, but then once I was exposed to kind of the, the purpose side, you know, the people side, the patient side, I uh, got very, very excited about that and knew, you know, that, that was the real direction I wanted it to go. And so that's when I you just, knew. <laughs> that's, I mean, no, literally the first, the first exposure I had to uh, someone, it was like a family friend who was a prosthetist. This was actually in New York City. Um, on the Upper East Side, I had a small practice, and the very first time I met him, just as like an exploratory type of meeting, I, I knew instantly that that was what I wanted to do. Um, you know, and that was after college, and I, I really had no firm direction uh, after that, and so I felt, I still, I continue to feel so lucky to have found this field. It's been wonderful to me, and I continue to just be really, really excited about it every day. That's great. Traditionally, as we've talked previously in our um, episodes, our field is pretty stationary. Everyone has an office. You know, everyone, all our patients typically come to our office um, and kind of set up similar to a doctor's office. But you have a very different setup. You have vans and you carry all your tools and everything in the vans. Can you talk about what made you think to do that and how long ago did you start that? Uh, sure. Uh, well, first of all, we use the term mobile clinic over van, um, which <laughs> I hate to correct you. But it is, it, we should have uh, done our research. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, well, I'll, I'll go back. I'll kind of start from the beginning, kind of the genesis of the idea and how, how it came about. And we're, we're going back about five or six years where I was the manager for you know a larger company uh, out here in Colorado and I was responsible for for the P&L for the performance of the practice and so every month I had to generate reports and um, present them to my my boss and, and their boss and, and all that and one of the metrics was uh, no-show data so the percent of patients scheduled who didn't reschedule uh, or show up. That would be a no-show uh, point, data point. And so what I saw was a, a very, very high no-show rate. Um, well, what I considered very high, the rest of the practice and um, 
you know, the, the stakeholders there just accepted it as standard practice and people are physically disabled and, you know, here in Colorado, there's snow and ice sometimes. So it would go as high as, uh, you know, 40, 50% no-show into the November, December, you know, winter range. But even on a standard month or a standard quarter, it could be 20, 25% no-show. And that was generally acceptable to most people, but I found it like being responsible for revenue, that was a real problem. If, if, um, if the patients don't come in, there's no, there's no billing, right. there's no revenue, and you know, time is valuable to everybody. So I started to like really dig in and under, try and understand that, and I did. So I would pursue and talk to people about why they didn't show up, and not, not in a, um, you know, a negative way or any kind of accusation or, or critical way, but <laughs> just want to understand. And it truly was reasons that are, are pretty obvious, but understandable. They're physically disabled. It is difficult to use public transportation. Uh, financially, it's difficult to take a day off work or have somebody who's responsible for you take off work. These are like very serious concerns that, that we all have actually. Um, anyway, so I thought about this idea about going mobile and I didn't invent this model, um, but certainly in, in a, an urban market, it's, it's not a typical thing to have. Yeah, right. And I presented it um, to the company who had zero interest in pursuing uh, that really? model. And for a variety of other reasons, I, I left and did some soul searching about what do <laughs> I want to do now. And I just believe, I just believed in this model. I mean, I really right. I continue to believe in this model. Um, and uh, just kind of put all the pieces together and I started Agile Orthopedics, which is a mobile, a, a purely mobile practice. We have no outpatient clinic at all. And we are in our fifth year now operating in and around uh, Denver. And now we've expanded recently into Northern Colorado to like Fort Collins, Loveland, if you're familiar with that area. But you know, it's about a hundred miles north uh, of Denver. Right. So that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah, um, perfect. How do you, so one of our questions is kind of how did going mobile change your business model? So when I think of like a business model, I think of, you know, you have your stationary office, you have your front staff working with you. How have you been able to communicate with your, the other members of your team when you're constantly on the road, um, seeing patients and taking the care to them as opposed to having everything in one place? It's a really good question. And I found, well, I really enjoyed your interview with Mark Rodriguez and there was yeah. so much um, that he said about his, the way he does mobile, it's a bit different, you know, right. to clinics and not to patients' homes like I am generally, but mm -hmm. the word he kept using or the term he kept using is being organized. And that solves just about everything. And so we are constantly communicating, leveraging technology and text messaging and the software that we use really lends itself um, to being mobile, but yet like being connected um, throughout the day. We've got like a, just a very talented group that we've been able to put together, both on the clinical side, like just really, really good, um, you know, innovative, kind of like very flexible thinking um, prosthetists out in the field, but also like really good administrative staff that understands like we're, we're out there at a patient's house, like we can't 
we need everything that <laughs> has to happen. We need to yeah. be the front office, yeah. the practitioner, and the technician at all times. Mm-hmm. And so as long as you're organized and learn from history what you need, what you don't need, what you might need, um, learning those lessons over time has led to mitigating kind of that, that exactly what you're asking about. Like, how do you handle start right. to finish a visit that would typically involve lots of people and a building? Mm-hmm. And so we just leverage the tools that are available and we just have like a very good team that's all on board and, you know, working together really closely. I'm sure you guys communicate really well with each other. You kind of know what to expect from everyone. Exactly. So, you know, we kind of huddle together in the morning before we dispatch out to wherever we're going and make sure everybody has what they need. Um, And if they don't, you know, kind of make it, make it happen. The the one thing I would say about seeing people in their homes is they're very understanding. And so if you have an an appointment at 9am, but we're waiting to receive an AFO AFO or or a liner or whatever, and we just communicate real well with the patients and say, like, we're waiting on this. Is it okay if I come at 1130 or 12? I mean, it's like 100% of the time, they're so grateful you're coming to them that it's never an issue. Uh, So it, it, it comes down to being organized and communicating really well, both internally with your team, um, that, that thankfully we have this really talented team, but externally, you know, to the patients or the, the physicians if we're going to their office uh, on expectations. Right, right. And kind of that leads into the next question. So I imagine there was some trial and error when this yeah. was all first starting five years ago. What were some of the initial challenges you had trying to put everything that you would have in an office in your mobile clinic? So, I mean, that, that's kind of what you say, putting everything you have in your office. That's, that's the point right there. Like yeah. not, not doing that was, is the lesson that we've learned through iterating over the years. It started out like Agile One is the first vehicle, you know. <laughs> that one, that one, I had, I had like twelve tube clamps and every single length of pylon and every adapter you can imagine. And by by the most recent vehicle that I set up, the mobile clinic, I realized like, well, two tube clamps, that'll do it. Like, I'll just replenish one if I use it, but I don't need twelve. Right. And so I learned over time that less is more. Um, I also learned what to let professionals do and not try and do myself. So one, one big thing is like utilizing power in the mobile clinic. So we need to operate a a Troutman or a grinder and a heat gun, which draws lots of power and some other tools. And with Agile One, I kind of did it myself and tried to hook up into the battery and the inverter. (laughs) And so I would lose power all the time. The car would die. The machinery wouldn't work all the time. Oh, wow. And so I learned, let's let somebody who does this for a living uh, do the electrical yeah. and kind of the, the upfit. So upfitting is a term with these vehicles, getting all the equipment, the tools, the organization, the shelving compartments and stuff. Um, and so now that's one thing I'm serious about is having that professionally done so that I'm not spending my work day jumping the, the clinic and you know right. dealing with finding a extension cords to plug in because my power died. Um, those kinds of things were really good learning opportunities. And, mm-hmm. you know, still I'm always exploring what would be a good, you know, a good component that's very versatile out in the field or tools that can do 
you know, something out in the field. So always open and learning and trying to figure it out, um, you know, among all of us who are actually doing it. Right. Right. And when you're setting up a new van, you know, with the electrical and everything, do you have the pretty much like the Troutman, like the grinder always set up when everything's set up or when you get to a patient's house, you kind of have to set it up how you need it to see no, that. No, it's always, always, always set up. It's set okay. up perfectly, ready to go. One little switch to switch the car power to the kind of the, the you know, the mm -hmm. bed power or the, the clinic power. So no, no lag time in that, no setup at all. Makes it very efficient. <laughs> Yeah, efficiency. I mean, that, that's the key is like being very efficient, you know, and, and that's been the criticism or the analysis of mobile practice for many years that it's inefficient. Um, but I think if it's done properly and you're really organized, then you could kind of cluster patients in geographic areas um, or operate in an urban setting where your patients are only 10 or 15 minutes between each other. It's right. incredibly efficient. Um, and it's incredibly efficient because my no-show rate is 0%. Right. So just that alone makes it, I, I mean, this is just my, <laughs> uh, it is, it yes. can be a very, very efficient model if it's done properly. Right. right. Do you feel like you still have some kinks or difficulties, challenges that you're trying to work out currently, even though it's been about five years now? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm always trying. I mean, I think you gotta just in life always be improving and little micro improvements even. And you know, it doesn't rain very often in Colorado, but I just, I was thinking of developing a little canopy system that when you park, you can kind of roll out, kind of like an RV has one of those like <laughs> things, like, yeah. you know, like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. Like, how can I do that? And, you know, I find myself bending over a little bit too much. So how can we, how can I have like a work table that's like the right height um, that folds down? So, and those are just like two examples that came yeah. up this week, but yeah, there's make it better constantly, for your back. <laughs> constant kinks. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> constantly looking for ways to to improve overall. Do you feel like you're constantly doing? Because I know you have multiple clinics now. Do you constantly do changes to all of the clinics and update them all, or is it like when you get a new clinic, oh, this one gets all of the new bells and whistles? Um, it's kind of worked out like that the new one gets all the bells and whistles and then, you know, I'll go back and, and maybe retrofit a piece of equipment here, a piece of equipment there. But, you know, none of them are very old. We haven't been operating for 25 years. So they're all like pretty new and definitely in very right. good shape. And I also believe in buying new vehicles and not used vehicles for, for that, uh, the reason of efficiency of like, I don't want to be dealing with car repairs and right. dealing with fitting patients and seeing right. patients. So, you know, that's, that's just like another kind of core belief that I have that, that that's got to be super reliable. So you kind of went through a little bit of like, you know, how far you, like what areas of Colorado you service. Um, what is the furthest distance one clinic will drive in a day just to go see a patient like is there times where you're in the car for two hours straight to go see a patient or are they all a little bit closer there have been times where I've spent or any of us have spent a couple of hours going to see a patient at a distance um it's that's very uncommon um typically patients are within 20 30 minutes of of where we're you know our central kind of radius within that radius mm -hmm. so we cover about a 50 mile radius and so nobody's really, really too 
too much further than that. But certainly if somebody moves or is traveling, you know, we'll accommodate that and go see them and make it happen. Uh, so we've seen patients in New Mexico and, you know, wow. recently one of my colleagues, uh, Pavel, saw somebody in Steamboat. So, you know, we'll go, we'll go wherever, wherever we need to for, to make the case work. And currently for that 50 mile radius, how many clinics do you have? We have three clinics and then a fourth prosthetist who she chose to not have a, a mobile clinic. Uh, just wasn't something she wanted to be responsible for. Um, <laughs> but she does travel and she does provide more, more service, kind of like Mark does, you know, like Aww. out of her car. And then she has a lab, um, you know, to do bigger projects in. So there are four prosthetists that are out on the road every day. So that you said prosthetists, are you not seeing any orthotic patients or do you mainly just serve the prosthetic or the persons with the amputations population? Um, I don't you know, know our, I've heard that. our current, right. It's, uh, our ratio is around like 75, 25, 75% prosthetics, 25% okay. um, custom orthotics. We don't do any pedorthics really, or, you know, hospital call DME type of stuff. Right. Uh, you know, we don't do spinal or helmets. That's, that's not ideal for a mobile setup, I don't think. Um, and so, yeah, we're about 75% prosthetics. So oh, okay. mainly that's our core. Okay. I know typical working hours, you know, eight to five, do you feel like you work those hours or with the driving and thing, you're kind of working a little bit longer hours throughout the day? No, I think we keep pretty typical hours. I mean, one of the nice things is it's very flexible. We're on the road. So, you know, I'm able to kind of weave in some errands and you know things like that. <laughs> if I'm driving by the dry cleaner, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll just take it. <laughs> so that's kind of a nice thing, that flexibility and autonomy. Um, we all are responsible for our own scheduling and, and make our own schedules. Um, again, being that front office practitioner and technician all at once. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You take that responsibility. <laughs> but, but a very typical, typical work day. We're not adding on time um, because we're traveling. We're just making that work for us. And on average, how many patients would you see that you, that you see in a day? I'd say about four to five, sometimes okay. a couple of more. And, um, you know, there are some clinics that we service to that certainly there's more, more patients like that's a higher volume day, but it's all in a single place. Uh, but, yeah, and just seeing four or five patients a day would be very typical. Okay. So one of the questions I'm sure you get asked a lot is, what is it like going into people's homes? And especially now during the whole COVID crisis and everything, um, or pandemic, uh, how has that experience been? And sort of, I don't know, trusting other, yeah, yeah, changing or... Go no, ahead. it's a it's a really good question, and you're right. I mean, I do talk about it a lot, and mm -hmm. I think the best way I can describe it is that it's a very intimate experience yeah. to be in in somebody's home. Um, I I love it. I think it fosters like a a connection that you're not going to get in an office. You're just naturally, it's a deeper connection on a deeper level, and you know, just personally, clinically, there are a lot of advantages too. Um, right. Really being able to evaluate somebody's environment is very helpful and can inform your design of your equipment and, and prosthesis and yeah. device and things like that. Um, but mostly it's just a real 
it's like a real connection uh, with someone. Generally, people are very pleased to have you there, and it's always like, can I make you a coffee or something? <laughs> snacks out and you know, <laughs> some people some people can be a little bit embarrassed about the condition of their house because they've right. been laid up or recently had an amputation and you know so just putting people at ease like it's all good I love your house or I'll find something <laughs> that points out like wow that, that clock is really interesting tell me about that you know um, yeah. just kind of it, it's all about people on their seeing them on their terms mm-hmm. um, and that that's the part that I really love about this model it feels right like it feels like the right thing to do to see people on their own terms when you're providing service to them they've been through something traumatic um, right right and so yeah I've, I've had just just about just about all the experiences I've had have been great good like really good, good. Uh, you know since COVID has become an issue. We've been seeing people generally outside um, okay. on, on the porch or at a neutral location. So we've been doing less and less in-home, but it has, hasn't really slowed us down. I mean, there's, there's always a way to improvise. There's always a way to make it happen. Um, and so that's, that's kind of one of the values of our, of our practice too, is just be flexible and improvise and, and figure it out. And so we've, we've continued to do that. And, it's actually kind of, in a lot of ways, a better um, arrangement, seeing just somebody one-on-one in their home or at, right. at their home, so they don't have to take public transportation, they don't have to mm-hmm. go to a clinic, they don't have to be in a waiting room, and it reduces some of those risks and that, that discomfort, if, if not a risk. I'm sure your patients feel more comfortable of them not having to go out in public to go to an appointment or anything, and just being able to stay home and have you come to them. Exactly. A little bit less of a risk. Yep. Sorry, I just heard people shouting in the background. <laughs> I was like, I don't know where it's coming from. Okay. It's a little loud here, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> no worries. I'm like squirreled away in the corner. Of office, <laughs> it's part of the atmosphere. That's fine. Right. It Our works. sound guy's going to have a field. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so one of the things that I wanted to bring up about your mobile clinic and everything is actually your use of social media. You're really active on social media. And um, I feel like a lot of ONP offices, and this is a huge generalization, but I'm just talking about from my personal experience, they're kind of scared to use social media or post or use Mm -hmm. any sort of marketing thing. And I think it's just sort of, it's tough and it makes you vulnerable and I don't know. I just get nervous posting and I don't know what to post and having asked for patients permissions and there's all sorts of things. How do you feel like that's benefited your practice? If at all, has it been something that you can use as a marketing tool for yourself? Um, How's it helped? I guess. Well, well, yeah, I mean, the main, if we're being honest, the main Mm -hmm. purpose is to be used as a marketing method. Um, And to that end, what I've done is, um, I've outsourced this to a firm that specializes in strategic marketing nice. because it's like the guy who installs the electrical inverter <laughs> in my van. Like, I don't know yeah. how to do that. Um, yeah. I really don't know how to do that. Some of the reasons that, that you mentioned, Alina, like, I, I'm not sure of what's relevant, what's vulnerable, what's legal, right. any of yeah. that. And so I've chosen to invest in that side of the oh. business, um, mm-hmm. this kind of strategic marketing uh, awareness um, initiative kind of thing and I leave it to these professionals to do that who are really good and we do meet very regularly to gain an understanding of what my objectives are the communities that I'm trying to reach the awareness that I'm trying to raise um, right. 
and the content is certainly um, shared. You know, I have to share some patient stories and some, mm -hmm. I have to lead right. them down the road. But as far as like the look of it, the feel of it, the frequency, the where it's posted, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, like I, I don't yeah. know where the value is or where people look any. <laughs> Neither um, do I. <laughs> and I don't really, yeah. I'm not interested in learning that either. I'd rather yeah. somebody whose specialty that is and talent do that. So I've chosen to invest in that. I believe in it. I do think it has helped grow our practice and raise awareness as a startup company. Um, right. You know, the, pe the other practices out there generally have been around a very long time and have had a uh, lot, lot more resources than our, our little company. <laughs> and so um, I'm trying to just stand out and, and differentiate ourselves or at least raise awareness about our differentiation, which, which I, I believe is, is clear once we're able to kind of get that word out. Okay. hope that answers that. No, it does. <laughs> it does. It's just, it's something that I think is interesting because like you said, well, it's just rare and I feel like it's popping up more and more now that I've been trying to use social media for different things. I see that a lot of people are using it. I just wasn't aware that a lot of people were using it and I never really could see how it could benefit from a marketing standpoint. Especially yeah, for know, like I a medical long term. Field, it's a little yeah. different. It's yeah, hard to... Maybe one way to think about it is like historically our business, uh, OMP, has been by referrals, you know, physicians calling you or right. physical therapists calling you, but more and more with social media, it's really direct to consumers or direct to patients. They are looking, they're advocating for themselves, researching. Patients are more involved now more than ever. And so we have these opportunities to, again, like raise that awareness among potential patients or consumers of our services, where in the past we've stayed away from that because it wasn't relevant. We weren't, there was no, the practice would grow through in-services and more pay, more physician-based right. referrals. So I think that's why we've seen an uptick and certainly I, I think there's a place for it, whether it's patients themselves or adult children of older patients, like people are doing their homework and looking at right. options and, um, and patients should have options. They should know that they're, yeah. These decisions. Yeah. Um, so that, that message alone is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So how can listeners find you on social media? Oh, through that. <laughs> well, um, you know, the standard Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, which ones? <laughs> are all of your handles on all of those? Like I think agile? it's all, yeah, Agile or Agile oh. Ortho. Okay. In your, in your uh, episode notes, we can link that maybe. Oh, I will. Don't worry. No, <laughs> we're way ahead of you. Good. Right on. <laughs> And one last question. So you kind of have this a little bit more rural area out in Colorado where you have a lot more space and you talked about having it kind of in a city setting. Do you think this is something that's feasible in large cities or would you recommend it a little bit more on kind of a little bit more space where it's harder for patients to get into the office? Well, I, I just believe in it anywhere, honestly. Yeah. I think it's the right thing to do and at least offer that choice. Um, but I do believe that in an urban setting, it could work really, really well, especially because you're not spending too much time between patients if you're in, you know, in more urban market. Um, so I, I think that there's a place for it. And I did a lot of research and, and thinking about the size of the clinic that I would need. And I chose to go with a pretty small, it's the smallest of the Sprinter family, it's the, the Metris it's called, kind of like 
you, you see them all over the place. It's very small. It fits in a parking spot or in a parking structure. And, you know, I've made it work where every, everything I have is in a very small uh, vehicle. And so, but to answer the question directly, I, I really think it, it could work really well. It is working really well in the city. You're, you're right, Denver's not uh, Los Angeles or Chicago right. or New York, but <laughs> I, do, I do think it would work real well there. So also, Eric, I know you were recently featured in the Colorado News for having mobile clinic during you know, COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything. So listeners, if you want, we have a link to that down in the show notes. So feel free to check that out and you can see more of Eric. But that is all of our questions for you today, Eric. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I love that you guys are doing this. And I think you're doing a really good job and bringing a lot of really cool stories um, that we can all learn a bit more about. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Special thanks to Eric for talking with us today. Please follow us on Instagram at outonalim.pc and Facebook at outonalim podcast to get visuals for each episode and sneak peeks for upcoming ones. You can find us on Google, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this. And please subscribe and write a review. You can also email us any questions or comments about what you would like to hear at outonalim.pc at gmail.com. For today's episode, music was by Evan and Jack. Produced by Alyssa, Alina, and Brittany. Editing by Michael and sponsored by Open, Orthotic and Prosthetic National Network.